Welcome to the Fantastic Magic Center. I'm Kent Cummins, and I'm going to share the real secrets of magic. Nineteen fifty-seven. I was fourteen years old, and I was excited about cars. Probably the first and the last year of my life that I've really been excited about cars. The 56 ones were a little more interesting than the 55 ones, but when I'm looking in the newspaper at the new ads for the 57 ones, they've got all these sweeping tail fins. It was an exciting look for all these cars. And I can remember I couldn't wait till 1958 when they got even more exciting. And they didn't. 1958 is when they boxed them back in again, it seems to me. Of course, at age 14, I wasn't even old enough to drive, but that 1957 Chevy, wow, what a car. I've never owned one, but on our 57th wedding anniversary, I was looking for something special to do for Margot, and I thought, oh, we should have a 57 Chevy take us out for a nice dinner. Of course, the nice dinner was at our son's restaurant, City Post Chop House. But where would I find the 1957 Chevy? I called a couple companies that rent classic cars. And, oh, I used to have a 57 Chevy, but I don't have any more. Call so-and-so. Anyway, never found one that way. But we were at, I suppose it was Poppy Fest, one of the big downtown festivals here in Georgetown, Texas. And they had a car show. And so I left Margot to listen to the band while I looked at some of the cars, found a beautiful 1957 Chevy, talked to the owner, asked if he'd be interested in taking us out for our anniversary. He thought that would be very cool. It's not something that he regularly did, but in this case, sure. And so on the evening of our 57th wedding anniversary, we went out to the portico of the Oaks where we were living and this gorgeous 57 Chevy pulled up. I said the subject of this podcast is 1957, although I suppose it shouldn't really be about cars. It should be about magic. That's not a difficult thing to do because I was looking through my scrapbook and found the letter of welcome to membership in the International Brotherhood of Magicians in 1957. The letter was dated April 9th, 1957. It says, Dear Mr. Cummings. Okay, so they spelled my name wrong. There's no G in my name. I might do an entire podcast episode on the fact that there's no G in my name. But for now, we are pleased to welcome you into our international magical organization. And so on and so on and so on enclosed as my first membership card. But that's not the only magical thing that happened in 1957. Also in 1957, On Stage Magic Magazine, a pretty much mimeographed, I think, magazine for teenage magicians started. Preview issue number one, I wound up being a staff member of On Stage Magazine while I was a teenage magician. I also had a letter published in PIPS, the official magazine of the Magical Youths International, and that was in their March issue. So I was pretty well known as a teenage magician back in the day. I was calling myself Kent Misto Cummins, 
Kent Cummins because <laughs> that's my name. And people told me that just calling myself Misto the Magician was very amateurish sounding. But I loved Misto because the Misto magic set is what got me started becoming a magician. So at that time, I still called myself Kent Misto Cummins, 1957. And I wrote to my friend Louis Berkey, who was the proprietor of the Fun and Magic Shop in San Antonio, Texas. You may have heard me talk about this before. My parents were both from San Antonio, and so therefore my grandparents were all in San Antonio. And I wrote to Berkey and asked him if maybe I could have a summer job. He wrote back a nice letter and said, yes, I could. So my first real summer job was at the Fun and Magic Shop in San Antonio, Texas. He taught me how to demonstrate magic. He taught me how to organize magic. He taught me how to sell magic. One of the things he taught me was don't perform the magic you're going to sell with all kinds of extra special clever stuff because then the customer will take it home and won't be able to do what you did. So make it simple. Then once you sell it, you can tell them how the trick is done. And one of the tricks that I learned and sold was the Simplex Cut and Restored Rope Trick. I believe we sold it for 50 cents. Much later on, that became, well, not that much later on. Uh, I, I liked the Cut and Restored Rope Trick, and then I bought those Bev Taylor comedy signs and developed a rope trick which won me my first trophy in 1960 at the Texas Association of Magicians Convention. I still perform that rope trick in almost every show. In fact, sometimes when I'm just going to be a master of ceremonies and am not expected to perform, I'll put a piece of rope and a pair of scissors in my pockets because I can always pull that out and perform the rope trick for the audience while waiting for the next uh, act to get ready. Berkey also taught me how to make wooden nickels. He had an old letter printing press that he had converted to print the wooden nickel information onto uh, wooden discs that he bought in huge bags. He was always complaining that, oh, the quality of this bag's not good enough, or it's hard to get the bags. But he wound up selling millions of wooden nickels, souvenir advertising. Starting then, I printed some wooden nickels to use as business cards and uh, have often used wooden nickels as business cards or specialty advertising for clients ever since. Also, Berkey taught me how to make rubber stamps. You see, the dies that printed on the wooden discs that made the wooden nickels were actually rubber stamps. So he taught me how to make rubber stamps as well. He enjoyed teaching me the business as well as teaching me the magic. And Berkey invited me to go with him to the International Brotherhood of Magicians annual convention in Houston, Texas. It was at the Rice Hotel. My parents gave me permission to do that. And he took a headline newspaper press with him. He was a dealer. He taught me how to use the headline newspaper press so magicians would come up to get special headlines like Kid Loses Head in Magic Guillotine or So-and-So the Magician at Magic Convention. I would print those newspapers for them. Berkey printed some for me, and I probably printed one or two for myself. He also included me in that fake newspaper with the blank headline space that we used. So I was an everybody's souvenir that way. 
1957, that convention, that's the year I met a young magician named Mark Wilson, who was the Dr. Pepper magician and later became famous and wrote, in my opinion, the best single magic book of our time, the Mark Wilson Complete Course in Magic. He and Nani Darnell and I became friends. We didn't see each other often, but we certainly knew each other and occasionally would talk on the phone or visit when we were in the same place. I said that that was my favorite magic book, but of course the world's best-known magic course is the Tarbell Course in Magic, which is not just one book. It's a series of up to eight books, originally mimeographed, and my friend Bobby Cordell found me a copy of the original Harlan Tarbell Course in Magic with mimeographed things that would come in the mail. And of course I've purchased several of the different versions of the Tarbell Course in Magic, but 1957 Harlan Tarbell was one of the performers in Stars of Magic, uh, the public show for the IBM convention. And I got to see him, I got to meet him, I got him to sign my souvenir program, and the, the specific program for the public was just a printed on two sides, large sheet of cardboard, <laughs> basically, uh, cardstock. So people didn't really save them all, so I went and picked up dozens of them and saved them finally tossed a handful of them in recycle because I just had too many. But I still have a few copies of the program with Harlan Tarbell as one of the stars, one of the stars of magic. And in the dealer's room, I met Russ Walsh, who had the famous appearing canes and vanishing canes and appearing table, all made of metal, not plastic like Fantasio made them later. And uh, Joe Berg, and lots of famous magic dealers from that era. And later in my life, I became a member of the Magic Dealers Association. My business name is Magic Hotline. And there's one more wonderful thing that happened in 1957, and that was the Festival of Magic on television. Milburn Christopher put together an absolutely wonderful television show of magicians from around the world. He had uh, Kalanag as a, a remarkable illusionist. I remember his levitation in particular. And he had Sorkar, the magician from India. And uh, Milburn Christopher did the bullet catch and made a very good promotional routine from that. There were lots of marvelous magicians. It allowed me to see Cardini, who was the master manipulator of that era, just an amazing magician. And uh, is it his nephew who uh, now has bought the Magic Castle in Hollywood? I know he's a relation of Cardini. And I haven't met him yet, although I'll probably meet him at Magic Texas, the big convention coming up Labor Day weekend. And I'll have a podcast episode about Magic Texas. Of course I will, because I want you all to know about this amazing convention coming up. But for now, I'll just get into my 1957 Chevy convertible. Sigh, just kidding. I have a Kia Soul and I can't even drive it anymore because of my diminishing eyesight. But uh, my daughter is coming to get me to go to the Oyster Bar. Uh, life is good. I'll see you at the next podcast. I'm Kent Cummins. Join us next time for more tales from the Fantastic Magic Center. 
And if you'd like even more information, well, join us on our website, fantasticmagiccenter.com. Kin cannot preserve the secret legacy of magic without your support. Start today by going to fantasticmagiccenter.com and clicking the red Join Our Patreon button.